It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. Tonight, we're going to welcome back Dr. Franco Musio as we discuss his diagnosis of tyranny, as we look to understand terrorists and dictators. We discuss his diagnosis of terrorists and dictators in the context of them being our global adversaries in this ongoing cognitive war. And we'll hear his medical and his personal perspectives on this topic. He's going to discuss the neurobiology and neuroscience underlying radicalization and terrorism, the psychopathology of dictators, and then we'll talk about the commonality and relationships between them. As our listeners know, I focus on cognitive warfare. It is a war that few are unaware are aware of, few even fewer understand it. It's a war that's taking place domestically and globally. We see this war being conducted every day, but few realize it. It is truly a planned and coordinated event. We watch the confusion, we chaos, and even the terror on our streets in America and overseas as our adversaries like China, Russia, Iran, and others continually outmaneuver us, causing us and our allies like Israel to react, react, react. They lead us by our noses to a future they're defining for us. And this has got to change. These enemies, both foreign and domestic, leverage a similar, similar strategy to drive us towards subjugation. They use a coordinated strategy using various ways, ideology, religion, or issues, and a litany of means, education, military, economic, and others, and they do it to replace our freedom with tyranny and subjugation. It is, in its most basic form, a war between good and evil, freedom, or subjugation. <laughs> the key to understanding both this war and our adversaries, though, is to first understand and define the problem. Now, today, we're going to talk with Dr. Musio and highlight the basic problems as it relates to our primary adversaries in this ongoing global cognitive war. Dr. Musio now will cover three broad areas. Understanding, what is the mental biology and anatomy of dictators and their proxy terrorists? Second, the commonality. What are the common traits between terrorists and dictators? And third, we'll talk about weaknesses. What are the inherent weaknesses of the likes of the regimes of Xi and Putin? Now, to this discussion, I'm going to add Erdogan. Now, Erdogan is not terrorist, per se, and but he is a dictator. And so he has some commonalities in this. So we'll see if we bring it back to Aragon in the discussion. But let me welcome back Dr. Franco Musio. For those not familiar with him, he is a well-known internal medicine physician specializing in the field of nephrology, kidney diseases. Finally got to pronounce that right, Franco. <laughs> He's an associate Very professor <laughs> of medicine at the University of Virginia School of Medicine in over Fairfax campus in Northern Virginia. And he enjoys teaching lecturing, writing, martial arts, and consulting, and caring for complex patients. So with that, Dr. Musio, let's turn it over to you to start off the neurobiology and neuroscience underlying the radicalization and terrorism. Over to you. Hi, Ed. Hi, Ed. It's a pleasure. You know, you said the martial arts, and I started thinking, uh-oh, 
Putin is uh he's an eighth degree actually in judo. So but but I don't have anything to do with Putin. I don't have any commonality with him. I don't. So <laughs> the, the neurobiology and neuroscience. So I uh, this is fascinating. And and yeah, it does appear to underlie to some degree, or maybe more than some degree, radicalization and terrorism, um, especially in light of what we're seeing now. And we have seen Hamas and not too long ago ISIS, these horrible abhorrent acts for the whole world to see. Uh, how can you, the human brain allow for horrible murderers uh, murders to be committed? Um, is there up-to-date research of the neural pathways giving us human beings commands uh, to be terrorists? And uh, and we can also include murderers in general, proceed with uh, proceeding with heinous crime crimes. And are there specific characteristics unique to these individuals? So let me start with two definitions. Let me start with this um, radicalization. Per Ryan Hunter, he's an intelligence FBI analyst. Uh, he put in a perspective piece uh, in an excellent way, describing he was describing Islamic terrorists in 2011. Quote. Radicalization is the process by which individuals come to believe their engagement in or facilitation of non-state violence to achieve social and political change uh, and thinking this is necessary and justified. Now, the next step is political extremism. And per uh, Professor Peter Newman from King's College in London, 2009, I was there actually a couple months ago, very close to there, quote, Political ideologies and methods, this is what political extremism is, according to him, political ideologies and methods that oppose a society's core values and principles and show disregard to the life, liberty, and human rights of others. Others have added on top of this definition and support the murders of ordinary people to advance their own extremist ideologic objectives. So our brains, our brains are actually even more sophisticated than we think. They're more sophisticated than the most sophisticated of computers. And trying to figure out what's going on in this head of ours, not very easy. So research is now focusing on the connections and circuitry between the prefrontal cortex, the very, very um, front of our heads, uh, our brains, and the limbic system, which really sits down lower and more closely to the base of the skull. And is there, um, is there a relationship? Well, yes, there's a definitive relationship. And could it have something to do with what we're studying here with terrorists and dictators? And the answer is yes. So little anatomy lesson, little anatomy lesson. The prefrontal cortex, the front of our brains, uh, is divided into three parts. The lateral or the sides, right and left. The medial yeah. or midline. And lower down, the orbital frontal, behind our eyes. The limbic system. Limbic system includes lower down. I'm not going to go into all of the, the Greek and Latin names, but an important one, amygdala, which I always think of Caligula when, when I think of that, but remember him in that movie? Amygdala is a very, very important structure um, uh, within this. So these circuitries, these connections between the amygdala of the limbic system, uh, it, which is associated with emotional processing, include anxiety, fear, conditioning, aggression, and so forth, and the orbitofrontal part of the prefrontal cortex appear to yeah. be key, key in studying terrorists. So um, it's conjectured that there is a bottom-up process. So in other words, between the amygdala and the olfactory portion here, uh, not, not olfactory, yeah. I'm sorry, the orbitofrontal portion, that this is more of an aggressive, aggressive uh, circuitry and becomes potentially overactive 
overactive in these particular individuals. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, a top-down process in which the connection between the prefrontal cortex going down the amygdala um, regulates this. Okay, So there's a fine balance between both of these. And the thought is that there's a complete dysfunction in the circuitry that may explain the underlying impulsive aggression uh, or aggressive characteristics of these terrorists. And yeah. I, I'll add to that. I'll add to that, Ed. Um, you know, it's easy to say this, that, and the other and conjecture. But now, taking one step further, or a few steps further, further uh, recently, uh, experiments were done in Barcelona, in Spain. And what these researchers did, who are highly, highly advanced neurobiologists, they screened over 500 uh, proclaimed radicalized young men. Yes. 38 of these were chosen as the hardcore, and, and, and some of them did, were ex-ISIS people. Um, they were chosen. And, and these people espoused the significant uh, engagement in violent acts in defense of jihadist causes. Uh, and what they used is an ultra-high-tech tool, a functional magnetic resonance imaging um, complete examination. So the MRIs that we're, we are uh, familiar yeah. with, well, th this is much more than that. And, and it supported this connectivity, this overactive reactivity uh, uh, circuitry connection between the, uh, the top part or the bottom part, I'm sorry, the amygdala going straight up as opposed to the antithesis and as opposed to non-radicalized normal individuals. So yes, this is um, kind of incipient information, but, but I think it's, it's very, very important. Well, so, so um, yeah. Let me, let me interrupt you there. So, the yeah, couple please. things that you bring out at please. the beginning is, at first, the definitions. You know, mm -hmm. my definition of the cognitive war is that I'm written in my book, The Cognitive War, Why We're Winning, I mean, why we are losing and how we can win. You know, yes. the strategy these folks use on this, this uh, pathway you're talking about uses mm -hmm. ideology, religion, and different issues. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the importance of that for the audience to understand is everybody thinks a lot of times you go back, oh, this is terrorism or this is communism. Mm -hmm. No, these people are warped and they will use any ways, means or efforts they have yep. to drive what they view as a, a radical viewpoint. The second key aspect that I highlight in the book, but we've talked about many times, Franco, and, and it's this whole program today is going to highlight. This primary battle of the cognitive war takes place in what domain? The most critical of all domains, the human mind, the cognitive domain. And the reason Absolutely. I bring that up is because we spend so much money and waste so much time and money on the military-industrial complex where we have to start to pay more attention to what Franco's going to highlight today, okay, because it is the cognitive domain and how we influence the cognitive domain and drive normalcy or allow radicalism to occur, which causes us our greatest consternations. Anyhow, back to you, Frank. Sure. So, yeah, um, our brains control everything as, as warped as it could be. Um, and, and it's not only individuals. So this is a collectivism, as you're talking about. So th this goes along with the radicalization process. There's parallels in, in everything that you're mentioning, uh, along with the, uh, the cognitive warfare. So th there is taking it another step, more so than what I was mentioning with the, the, the neurobiology, there's a radicalization process. And it's a socialization. It's a process 
in forming a collective identity among these terrorists. And, and, and yes, you could extrapolate to, um, to some dictators too. So typically there's a leader there who's charismatic, uh, who yes. manipulates, manipulates common threads, behavioral features among these people, the terrorists. Um, and, and he highlights, sometimes she, among other groups, resents, resentments, grief, dissatisfaction, guiding them to, to an external society. The external society is the terrorist group. And along with this brainwashing, I call it brainwashing, it is radicalization, um, and, and allows them to believe that the cause for life's frustrations, uh, such as the West, of course, always the West, uh, it must yes. be the target of attacks. And if you look at this somewhat uh, in parallel with gang, gang behavior in Los Angeles or anywhere in the world, yeah. um, it, it, it's a similar kind of mentality. But in that sense, the target of attacks is typically in street crime is typically other gangs, other gangs that they kill each other. Um, but but in this particular case, no, the terrorists, um, and, and they uphold this ideology that they even may or may not believe in it, to be very honest with you. Um, th that's interesting too, but they so, but so they I'm, become consumed in group think, right? No, you're absolutely right. So it's a couple of key things like to highlight here is you talk, talk about the group think and they may not yeah. even believe in it. Yeah, I don't care whether Xi, Putin, or the uh, Khomeini. Okay, these folks don't believe in the crap they're pushing. They're using it to control people, subjugate people, and keep power. Good point. Purely Good psychotic. Point. But Good point. The other point you bring out is they drive divisiveness. They look to ex uh, subvert society's norms. They do radicalization, and they do it through victimization. Everyone's a victim. Now, mm -hmm. where the hell have we heard that before? Okay. Right. Now, in today's segment, we're talking <laughs> uh, about global adversaries. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Yes. So today we're talking about global adversaries. But I'm going to have Franco back on. We're going to talk about the same thing when it comes to domestic adversaries. Okay? Because there's a psychosis and a psychotic behavior there on the radical left. And it doesn't matter whether it's in America or whether it's external. Okay? These nutcases exist both domestically and globally. And so today we're focusing on the global Absolutely. Message. Back to you, Franco. Absolutely. And, and and I will add that there are any fringe group, you know, right or left or left, I would call it that. So there's other ingredients here. There's other ingredients in addition to what I talked about. So you want to add mass media. Mass media has changed the whole complexion of life. Well, in a terrorist or terrorist organization's life uh, as well. And, and there's possible genetic components uh, and maturation of the brain. So let me ask you a question. What do you think the average age of the 9-11 the hijackers was? The average age? This is interesting. I think they're uh, uh, 30s, in the 30s. 24. 24. 24. If you take a look at, at those hijacked, 24. And analyzing the data from U.S. Department of Justice, in which they took 125, I don't know if you remember the Islamic State activities in connection with the uh, Islamic State, to a jihadist militant group. So uh, in 2015, the average age was uh, 27. So yeah. if you look, if you look at uh, uh, other studies, showed an average age of 19, whereas the leader, the leader was probably in the mid to upper 20s. So the theory is that as we mature, uh, as our brains mature, and it typically uh, is fine-tuned into our 30s, so it's not only terrorist brains, it's everyone's brain, okay? Yes, 
Yeah. I mean, the highest uh, rate of accidents are among teenagers. I don't think we should allow 16-year-olds uh, a, a car. I really don't. No, because no, so I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to interrupt for a second. So we're going to come yeah. on a break here and just sure. a couple of quick points here. You know, the point on far right or far left. Yes. To me, there's only a far left, right? Because the fascism is actually another form of socialism, communism. It is. It is. And 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 radicals who want to usurp power and stuff like that. Okay, there's one aspect there. Second is right. is what you pointed out here. Churchill famously said, "Okay, below the age of thirty, if you're not a liberal, you don't have a heart. Above <laughs> the age of thirty, if if you're not a conservative, you don't have a brain." Okay. <laughs> Charles Kronheimer, we talked about this, touched on that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's highlighted in the past this this yes. nuance you're talking about here and the influence. The other key mm-hmm. aspects for the listeners to understand is all these radicalized leaders, for the most part, are typically well educated. Okay. Absolutely. And, these are not well dumb people. Yep. Yeah. And come from well I come up from well to do families. So we're yeah. gonna pick up on that when we come back with Franco here in the next segment. But before we go on break here. Uh, News has just launched its brand new website for this fiscal year. I mean, for this calendar year. Okay. It has a much more dynamic flow to it. So please take a look at it. All our shows go to podcast typically a day after this broadcast. So after you hear Franco not here uh, tonight, please look the next day. It should be back on podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or iHeart Podcast. We'll be right back in just a moment. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back to the NAS Security Hour. With me today again is Dr. Franco Musio as we discuss the psychology and diagnosis of tyranny, focusing on our global adversaries. Franco, let's pick off up on the neurobiology and neuroscience of radicalization and such, and then sure. let's move into the second aspect here of psychology sure. of dictators, psychopathology of dictators. But back yes. to you, Franco. So, Ed, I just want to finish with this, um, that that most researchers believe that there's a, a fine-tuning, I was mentioning, between these pathways and many, many others. And, and the fine-tuning helps to decrease the risk-taking criminal behavior radicalization uh, or the behavior associated with that. So there's actually a decrease in this pathway from the amygdala, I was mentioning to you, the prefrontal cortex, the orbital yes. frontal firing of neurons, 
and there's a decrease in that and or an increase in the firing from the orbitofrontal cortex down to the amygdala um, to decrease aggression. So yes, in fact, it, it, if you do these demographics, as I was just touching on before, and of these terrorists, do, do you see 50, 60, 70, 80 year old terrorists? No, you don't. Um, but sometimes the leaders, yes, rarely, rarely. So, and and among um, Charles Grothheimer's and, and Winston Churchill's statements embedded in that, or dovetailing with that, is maturity, maturity physically and yes. biologically of the brain, going along with maturity in terms of decision-making processes and, and ultimately actions. So th there's a lot to do with that. I mean, it's very well, let, important. let me ask you a question here, Michael. Yeah. Uh, now, this just comes from a layman, right? And I'm not a doctor. So I got to ask you. Well, as yeah. part of this uh, research and stuff you did and finding out for these folks who are radicalized, uh, mm -hmm. one, uh, did they suffer in the womb from lack of oxygen? And two, were they dropped in their head when they were a kid? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm laughing and you're laughing, but, but there's theories that, in, <laughs> in fact, portions of these brains are. are basically not develop the outer cortex and parts of them that have to do with this. Yes, indeed. They, I don't know if they were dropped on their heads, but, but they're potentially scar tissue and, and lack of, uh, lack of appropriate neurons, if you will, um, tempering this aggressive behavior. So that's not out of the clear blue sky. People have thought about that. So, but, so that's yeah. interesting, but also, also to the, <laughs> to the leadership aspect. So when you get guys yes. like Tawa Harry, Guys like Putin, okay, the Khomeini and such, all these old, old, uh, old suckers, okay? Yeah. They've gone past that stage of talking. They have. They have. But what, what it highlights, though, is they move out of that radicalization phase. However, they sustain their power and base because they understand oh. now how to do that, okay? So there's another psychological abnormal so, because they my old sustain friends. that aspect, right? Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. Remember him? So, oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Power. What did he say? Power is an aphrodisiac, right? Remember? Well, he ought to know. He ought to know. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to talk about him in a minute. So, but, but let's take the leap to the psychopathology of dictators. So, I'm going to name a few. Blast from the past. Okay. Adolf Hitler, Hitler Joseph Stalin, uh, Mao Zedong, Benito Mussolini, Pol Pot. I'll go on and on. Saddam Hussein, Fidel Castro, Ho Chi Minh. Nikita Khrushchev, Kim Jong-il, Idi Amin, uh, Omar Gaddafi, all of these. We, we all know these names. And, and there's more. Yeah. There's clearly more. So is there a neurobiology? Are there neuro, is there a neuroscience underlying their behavior? Likely, yes. But what we really know of these despots is, based upon informant reports, we don't have MRI scans or CT scans. We don't have genetic data. That there, that no one, no one of these dictators and current uh, have submitted to any type of direct psychological profiling. Um, and, and this is where I'm going to blow your mind. I came across two dictators in person in Africa in 1985. I was I volunteered in 1985. One is uh, Joseph Mobutu. He was the president of the Democratic Republic of Congo, Dutch Congo. And he later renamed it Zaire, and uh, Kinshasa being the capital of Zaire. That's where Muhammad Ali fought Joseph Frazier and now, they still talked about it when I was there in the, the mid late 70s. He called it the, the rumble in the jungle. Do you remember that? So that was yeah, Zaire. <laughs> and he, but then Zaire was later renamed back to the Democratic Republic of Congo. So this guy was crazy. 
And, and But I want to even prove that he's crazy. He changed his name here. He called himself Mobutu, Sesi, Seko, Kuku, Degembu, Wazabanga. That's what he called himself. That was his, his name. Okay. Well, you now, got the cuckoo part right. <laughs> he, he did. But let me translate this for you. All conquering warrior who, because of his endurance and will to win, goes from triumph to triumph, leaving fire in his wake. That, that's what that means, his name. Oh. The second one was Samuel Doe. Samuel Doe, who had completely different titles in Liberia. Uh, he, uh, bless his heart, what he decided to do when he changed his whole regime his cabinet, he he tied his cabinet ministers to a stake and in front of the National Liberian TV had them all executed. So so that, that was one way of getting rid of his yes. So so clearly, clearly they would be honorary terrorists. Um, but the personality traits, the profiles, um, there there are a lot of things in common, even with the more modern, more refined yes. dictators. We're going to talk about Putin, Xi, Well, well that's uh, one way to change the Ayatollah. quickly. Um, it, <laughs> it is. It is. Not, not, I wouldn't recommend this. But so, but not to be emulated, they're sociopathic and psychopathic features. Yes. What do all these people have in common from the past and present? They're manipulative. The, the, they have a complete lack of remorse or guilt. They're impulsive. They're irresponsible, obviously. They're, they're known pathological liars. They are hypersexual, like Mussolini, or asexual, like reportedly Hitler. Uh, in some, there's grandiosity, just like I mentioned, this, this nutcase from Congo. Um, very aberrant thinking, but most, and as you mentioned, are, are very intelligent. They are very, very intelligent, along with the terrorists, are very intelligent. Yes. Common thread. You, you mentioned about you know falling on their heads. Well, in early child, there's a lot of childhood trauma and abuse among dictators, yes. um, typically from their fathers, and the most of which were alcoholic, or, or they have loss of their biological parents. So the nurture part of the nature nurture equation is is of the paradigm is a problem potentially in many of these dictators. Now, the nature part. The, the genetic part, the chemical factors, there may be, and, I, and, and also within terrorists. So what's been found not too long ago is a variant of a gene, mono, monoamine oxidase A. Monoamine oxidase A is an enzyme which is responsible for breaking down neurotransmitters like dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin. Yeah. Okay, so there has been found to be a variant of this. Uh, in in Australia, not Australia, New Zealand, they labeled it the warrior gene, kind of as a, in a pop culture type of thing. But um, it appears to be associated with aggressive and risk-taking behavior. But the jury is clearly still out on this one, and like, likely to be out for a long, long time. So is yeah. there a, a dictator gene or a um, terrorist gene? Um, I don't I don't think so. But But don't know. Don't know. Well, so, so on that point, a couple of things is that uh, those same types of traits mm -hmm. uh, come across in leaders who also get a lot of things done and mm -hmm. who are proactive and enabling, okay? Mm -hmm. The sort of narcissistic, live, stuff like that, okay? Yep. So you very see it manipulative, okay? And very narcissist. And so it's very interesting there because when you talk about the manipulation, the hypersexuality, and lying all the time, mm -hmm. uh, we only need to take down a look at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. 
Okay, and we get we get a picture of where we go when we talk about the domestic element here. But back to you on the global. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Good point. Good point. Um. So I'm I'm going to balance that some, but I disagree with this. I'm going to balance that and say, well, Trump fits some of these characteristics as well. Right. And well, that's and, what I just talked about. Right. I said, I well, said, no, you were talking about Biden. You were talking about. Biden. Oh, well, no, I talked about Biden. But before that, I said the same trace you're talking about are for people who then also do good things. Okay? Yes. They can also be narcissistic. Uh, um, it, yes. Yeah. Yes. Lie. OK. So yeah, yeah. or Kennedy, let's say um, I'm yeah. fair and balanced here. <laughs> a fair balance, but focused in, in a proper way. So take the modern day dictators. Right? Let's take the leap here. So they dress in except the Ayatollah, in three-piece suits. Mm-hmm. They go to Davos, Switzerland, okay? They go to cocktail parties. Um, they go to these economic conferences. They want to display kind of a hip persona. Um, but they're anything but this. So they are very similar uh, in, in different ways to Hitler and Mussolini and such, but but in a more refined way, if you will, okay? in a more refined way. So, so let's look at Putin. Putin is, is fascinating. He has a lack of regret or remorse, obviously, for um, results of his decisions. Um, he's an autocrat. He rules alone. He has a cabinet, I guess. And guess what? His cabinet has a, a bigger revolving door than than Trump's cabinet. Um, but but there's there's more, at least Trump's cabinet, when you leave, you're not killed, right? Or you're not put somewhere and never seen before. Uh, are seen again. So there's antisocial behavior. Do you know what he did with Angela Merkel? I mean, just to, to prove this, he had a meeting with Angela Merkel before she uh, she left the presidency, um, yeah. uh, being prime minister of Germany. And she has a, an incredible fear of dogs, especially big dogs. Yeah. He loves dogs. So right in the middle of that, he, he actually, not many people know this, he actually asked one of his staff to bring in his huge dog right in the yeah. middle of his private conference with Angela Merkel. So it freaked her out. And and then she was pissed off. She was angry in regards to that. She was questioned about it. And he said, well, you know, he's he's very insecure. And he just needs to to kind of display his dominance, if you will. He said, but I didn't I didn't fall for that garbage. I didn't fall for that. I didn't like the dog, but I didn't fall. For it. So I mean that th- there's an antisocial element to that. Come on, you you don't do that. Oh yeah. You don't yeah, but Remember how Putin was raised, though. Okay, so Putin yeah. was raised in the former Soviet Union. Yeah. Okay, he was raised yes, as a yes. young uh, comrade, common com, uh, turn uh, student. Yes. He's also been educated in the ways of the the KGB. Okay, mm-hmm. manipulation, threats, murder, and such like that. And so, as I like to say, for for dictators like Putin, you know, he had a, a, a tremendous opportunity to engage with the West, but he he didn't. He did. Okay, and why he didn't? didn't? Because he was used to and grew up in a certain cultural dynamic, okay, that he's never gotten out of. His view of dating girls is not just pulling their hair, okay, or punching them in the shoulder. His view of dating girls is if they don't like him, refuse, then he'd just kill them, okay? And that's how he gets their attention, right? And, and if you take a look at the other well, dictators, it's pretty much the same thing. It's, um, you like him or you don't, or you're dead. That's pretty antisocial, isn't it? Um, in fact, during COVID, he had um, his own pharmaceutical companies in Russia um, it, it came up with a vaccine, and he had his daughter have the vaccine way before he did. So, in other words, he, he used her as a guinea pig um, because the whole Russian population was was uh, kind of skeptical of this particular vaccine. 
So, so that's pretty bad either. Uh, but, but let's take it more steps for imprisoning those opposed to him. Poisoning, poisoning, not yeah. only within Russia, but around the world, right? Yes. Um, in Germany and so forth, particularly Alexei Navalny. Now, uh, Navalny has been moved to, what, very, very north, uh, very, very yeah. austere. Hmm? Yeah. But just like Kim Jong-il, you know, he had his own brother assassinated. He had other people assassinated, right? These, these he people, did. the family, fam, bring your family close. <laughs> and in fact, they were assassinated not in Korea, not in North Korea. Oh, exactly. So, so do you remember they, they were, I think he was assassinated in, was it Malaysia or was it? Yes, um, in an in, airport in outside, of, yeah. outside of uh, North Korea, yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. With, with right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping. I think he's probably the most refined um, dictator and thug, if you will. So he, he's also antisocial. He's cunning. He's detail oriented. He's an autocrat, of course. Um, and and you know, leader. His titles change all the time. But he comes across. He, he's a great showman in a way. In a way, he comes across very serious, very um, you know, always with his suit. At least you know, in the West, yes. always with his suit. And. Um, and there are some elements that that I I, I like in him, it's a few, but but he is a dictator. He's he's a he's a terrible dictator. He is. Yes. But but as I, I call it, a refined dictator. Now the Ayatollah Khomeini, um, and we have to understand these these brains, these dictatorial brains, in the context, as you mentioned, where they were born and so forth. So this poor guy Khomeini, uh, he was jailed many times. Under the Shah, he suffered. Um, he endured physical and psychological torture many times. Um, yes. Somewhat similar to Nelson Mandela, although Nelson Mandela was not a dictator afterwards at all. So, with this background, no, I, he I, would. I, I, let me hold no, there. I, yeah, yeah, Nelson Mandela was not tortured in prison. Ex was not tortured. He was not tortured in prison. I heard otherwise. But no, is no, it, so yeah, he had a chauffeur. He had his own private residence there in prison. Stuff in like prison, that. he had his own library in prison. Yes, oh. in South Africa. A lot of people don't know that. There's a, no, I didn't there's know a that. lot of disinformation out there about Mandela. But ah. Back, back to you. Oh, okay, okay. Well, but the bottom line is, this guy, uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini, he he would never back down. Never back down. Uh, never seek to appease anyone or any government. And in fact, uh, he's the ultimate ruler. You know, you could have all the presidents in the world. Yes within iran but but he's the one who calls the shots and um I, I don't think he's stupid i think he's very smart but emotionally and that's the other thing that we didn't really touch on there's an emotional issue with all of these individual people and uh, i mean excuse me but you have the whole soviet uh, russia okay minus large areas and you're going to go into ukraine and unfortunately, and still cause the murders of so many people. And that doesn't bother you at all, meaning Putin, meaning Putin. And mm -hmm. so just because of the, um, oh, the label or the legacy of having Ukraine back, back enveloped within the, the, he wants it to be the Soviet Union again. And it was a pity no, that so, the Soviet so there, Union So we got about apart. a minute before break. I'm going yep. to pump in on you here. So, Please do. Please do. I, I don't. I don't think Putin wants the old Soviet Union back. He's he's just playing a, a psychological game with the West, and he's mm -hmm. winning. It's a cognitive war with the West, and he's winning. The Ukraine mm -hmm. aspects, there are certain benefits in a territory form there, but he's far, and he knows he can't go back to the old Soviet Union. Okay, mm -hmm. so that 
I think that's a misnomer. But the key thing is for, for Putin and these other despots here, as you're highlighting, there's some commonalities between them and the terrorists, okay? And these, mm-hmm. these, these dictators use the terrorists as their proxies. And as they get older, that doesn't change. They continue to use these folks as their proxies, okay? And so Absolutely. When we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about that commonality. And then we'll talk about some of their weaknesses as we go forth in this episode here. Uh, don't forget, America Out Loud talk radio plays on iHeartRadio Network. You can listen to us on a media player, any web browser, anywhere in the world at any time, 24 by 7. All you have to do is go to AmericaOutloud.news, AmericaOutloud.news. There's a litany of shows there, uh, soup to nuts, morning to midnight, okay, every day. We'll be right back. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's foreign protein cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Changing the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to the NASA Security Hour. On with me today is Dr. Frank Amusio as we discuss a diagnosis of tyranny. And so, Franco, before the break, and we've started to talk about the yes. different aspects of, of psychology and the mental handcuff of terrorists and, and dictators. Mm-hmm. You know, the Epoch Times uh, is one of the uh, three or four papers I read every morning. The Epoch Times has a series out, How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World. They actually put it into a book. But in this mm-hmm. series, they talk about the communist roots of terrorism. And, and for our discussion today, let me highlight a couple of quick points out of these articles and turn it back to you. First of all, they say is terrorism, communist revolution. Since the terrorist attacks of 9-11, Western public has become familiar with the global terrorist movement. Okay. 
Less well-known, however, is a close relationship between terrorism and communism. Communism is an ideology rooted in hatred and struggle. It regards all aspects of the old society, including its laws and morality, as vestiges of the oppressed ruling class. Okay, This goes back to a lot of what Franco's been talking about here. Now, they export terror because while inflicting mass terror on suffering pe their own people, for example, the Soviet Union, Lenin came in and he ruled and he got empowered by a reign of terror, okay? But while inflicting mass terror and suffering upon their own people, communist regimes support terrorist organizations abroad for the purpose of fomenting and destabilizing rival states. Now, mm -hmm. we're going to come back to this again when we talk about the domestic mm -hmm. cognitive war and the domestic tyranny, enemies, and such like that. Mm -hmm. But they said here in this article, the concept of Islamic socialism began to take hold during the Cold War when the Soviet Union supported Arafat in the Arab states against Israel. Mm -hmm. Okay, So it's very interesting in the communist origins of Islamic extremism in this article series, the Leninist vanguard of jihad. Okay, According to this Qutub, uh, I, I cannot pronounce the name correctly, those living under this Jalea don't realize they are slaves, which are which they do not engage in jihad to emancipate themselves. And so what this is, is they talk about the co cognitive aspect of how throughout, whether it's Islamic terrorism, communism, terrorism, other aspects, it goes back to what you talked about up front in the mind. You get a dynamic leader, they control sort of the mind, control sort of the, the mental aspects and the narrative of these folks here. And then lastly, I'll say here is, okay, uh, the core of Islamic extremism Class struggle is another Marxist idea central to Islamic extremism. Marx spent his whole life trying to work up conflict between the proletariat and bourgeois to the point of no return. Destroying the World Trade Center in Manhattan did not itself do anything to help realize the united Muslim world, as this Qutub envisioned, but it served as a means of escalating the conflict between the West and Muslim worlds. Now, this is key here because it goes mm -hmm. directly to what we talk about, but also to what just happened in Israel. Terrorist attacks were meant to incite a backlash in the West against Muslims, which would in turn incite Muslims to carry out more attacks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as you said, these dictators and terrorists, they're very cunning, they're very smart, and they understand Absolutely. the cognitive domain is the most important aspect. And so they use yeah. that to manipulate, to control, and other things. So let's go back to Frank. So they do, they do. And, and don't forget about don't forget about the Pentagon as well. You know the uh, the plane that that blew into or flew right into the Pentagon in 9/11, and also the plane that was about to go either into the White House or the Capitol. Yes. You know, um, so that that obviously would. So it wasn't only it wasn't only the um, the, the Trade Center, World Trade Center. So it, yeah, it was terrible. So um, it, so I just thinking about the veil of communism. You, you, the, if you look at the socialization process of these terrorists, they're within a group. And within that group, they do have communistic ideologies that kind of spurns them. Of course, um, having having hatred for the West, right? Having hatred for the West or, or, or whatever cause they espouse. And having um, a relationship among each other, because that's key, the socialization within al-Qaeda, the socialization within ISIS, the socialization within Hamas or Hezbollah. They get along with each other and in kind of a communistic framework, if you think about it, they, they, they do. Um, now, what, what is, the to me, the most com 
common thread among these tyrants, these dictators for life, because they are. Putin wins all these elections, all right, by 90 plus percent. All right, so tell yeah, me. Wins, yeah, wins. T- tell me, or, or, or everyone else, uh, the only one, believe it or not, that does it is the president of Iran, who's under the Ayatollah. That, that they, um, the president, whoever it is, now and then they change, they, they, they throw them out, but it doesn't matter. It's a moot point, whoever the president is of Iran. There's no democracy in these countries. Bottom line, there's no democracy. Dissent, dissent, can you have dissent? No, because it's met with arrest, torture, sham trials, long, long jail sentences, and then often death. And <clears throat> As you say, these individuals are very, very smart. So when you start talking about terrorists and terrorist neurobiology, then you look at the whole world and you you look at the geopolitics of terrorism or, or of relationships between dictators. It becomes very complex. So let's take Beijing, Moscow, and Tehran. So <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. A Russian member of parliament, he labeled it the axis of good, the axis of good versus the axis of evil. That George Bush was credited in referring to North Korea, Iran, and um, and Iraq, in which there really was not an all an alliance, an alliance at all among those countries. Yeah. But um, what they did have in common was their opposition to the West. Um, but they're very much, and and if you look. Right now, again, Beijing, Moscow, Tehran, they're very interested in their own individual gains, uh, looking out for themselves. Yes. But, uh, and using the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, well, well not really, not really. Um, at a meeting, you have to laugh at this, in Beijing this year, or uh, I'm sorry, last year, President Xi and, and Putin, they referred to each other as old and dear friends. And, and they built on their former no limits to our friendship in 2022. And when asked about this, individuals in the UN said, well, that, that was just rhetoric. That was just rhetoric. So I guess with rhetoric, you can have uh, ridiculous rhetoric, or, or you can have rhetoric, which is kind of harmful, and then you can have rhetoric, which is good. They said this is, this is good rhetoric. But So on, on that point real quick is, is that yeah. what's interesting there is, you know, old and dear friends. Isn't that uh-huh. what Biden said about him and she? Uh, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, yes, what, he what's did. Interesting. The other aspect <laughs> here is in yeah. each of these dictatorships, regardless of where they're at, they're not opposing the West per se. What they're opposing is the that the fact that these countries are free mm-hmm. and there's independence in these countries. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's why they're an anathema. Okay. And if you take a look at Israel, why is Israel hated so much in the Arab world? Okay. It's mm-hmm. not because Good point. Good point. Jewish. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. because it's a free state in the middle of a sea of dictators. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do you see a guy like Erdogan? Okay. Just recently denied minesweepers from NATO countries to go into the Black Sea. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And, and why do you see him siding with Russia on different things and other stuff? Because Erdogan's moved from a democracy to a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people could say that's yes. not the case, but he's radicalizing religion at the same time. So he's showing all the same traits that Putin G and stuff like that. And it's only financially, it's only because of financially and militarily is why he's still in NATO, why he's still aligned with NATO. It it, it is. But ought to kick his ass out of NATO as far as I'm concerned. But but back to you. Yeah, well, we have several bases, several airports bases in Turkey still 
which uh yes. uh yeah and we did in Greece not anymore and things changed around too we have our own interests in Turkey as well the United yes, States but, but point point there is that if he pushed too hard okay no, and we had a real we had a real president who had a backbone in the White House okay he could be displaced rather quickly so oh, he's absolutely. not stupid well that that that's true so I'm going to interview you in a in a second here so are you telling me that they are jealous or envious that we have democracies in a sense no 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 they 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 could care less what they do care about though is because there's freedom there and people understand that freedom and independence mm -hmm. and no matter where you're born in this world you were born with that innate desire for freedom and independence right mm -hmm. and so what they're scared about is that their false narratives, their Orwellian expressions of the good access, that's it, for your example, okay, will come crushing down on them. Yeah, yeah, remember back in World War II, mm -hmm. it was the far left organizations, Hitler Socialist Party and the Communist Party, mm -hmm. who formed the, the uh, Stalin-Ribbentrop Pact and invaded mm -hmm. Poland, okay? Mm -hmm. It was only after Hitler felt comfortable enough, okay, that he then turned on his own his own ally, the Soviet Union. Why? Because he didn't want to share power with anybody. Right. Okay. Right. Big mistake, but it got glad it happened. So, Back to you. so ultimately, ultimately, their fear of democracy is that their own people will democratize themselves and and kill them and assassinate them or get rid of their regimes. I, I believe, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute yeah. because I think that's one of the weaknesses, yeah. if you will, if you will. Of these what dictatorships, is, dictators are inherently suicidal by nature. That's another yeah, aspect, yeah. and the psychological aspect you can take sure. a look at. Sure, sure. Now, between China, China and um, Russia, so in reality, many people believe China is much more interested in dealing with us, with our trade issues, our economic issues, and and thinking what's going to happen in two thousand twenty four this year with a new election, rather than backing up. Russia. So if you remember, they uh, they very tacitly, in terms of military strength, giving military hardware to Russia in their war against yeah. Ukraine. I don't think they've made a sizable contribution at all. Um, the Chinese, the Chinese. So um, they're, they're not giving support to Russia, uh, as is Iran, as is Iran. And in fact, uh, China has a GDP and a population 10 times the size of Russia. Uh, but again, they have common opposition to the West, they have the, they have this commonality, um, but but yeah. they're again very interested uh, with um, they're very interested in their own strengths. The other thing is China is looking at Russia and Ukraine, and they're saying, "What's going to happen to us in terms of invading Taiwan? Um, in terms of the repercussions? Because um, you know, in terms of waking up a sleeping bear, as the, the Japanese admiral famously said." We're, yeah. The United States is sleeping right now, but we're a bear, and and we're a bear, and we have military hardware, Air Force hardware everywhere, and and she is, I think, I think, smart enough to understand that if in fact Russia's invasion of of um, Ukraine uh, has not been, you know, he's not successfully within a few days taken over Kiev, then what's going to happen when he invades Taiwan? And he has Australia, New Zealand, Japan, South Korea, United States, all invading Beijing and Shanghai. Yes. Uh, I, I think he's thinking that. 
Well, well so a couple key aspects there is that uh, first, uh, China and Russia are allied. All right. But in my yes, view, yes. I talked about this before on this program, Loosely. is G is playing Putin as a patsy, just like uh, right. Hitler played Stalin as a patsy. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Russia is a failed state. Okay. It's a mm -hmm. gasoline station. Okay. With a lot of minerals and a lot of open space. What does China need? Minerals, open space, because you got a billion plus people, right? Of course, of course. And and China has its own problems. The economy's collapsing. Okay. He has a number of problems with the China flu that he released on the world. He's still suffering from those consequences. Mm -hmm. He has greater dissatisfaction in his country. And his people are starting more and more to realize they also have a choice, freedom or tyranny. And so he has his own challenges. But what I think China and Xi are doing is they're playing Russia just like Hitler played Stalin mm -hmm. because uh, Putin has potentially some health issues and he'll die. Now, now fat G, Pooh Bear G, he could die just any day too because he's so fat and, and he could have a heart attack. That, that uh, you're crazy. talking about Xi? Xi Jinping? Xi Jinping. But uh -huh. for Putin, okay, if Putin goes, what concerns me here that the world's not paying attention to in this cognitive warfare are a couple things. If Putin dies, who's going to benefit? China. Mm -hmm. You have going to have loose nukes potentially across the stratosphere yeah. in Russia because because Russia has the main main uh, military aspect are their nuclear arsenal, right? Sure. So you have a potential breakup of Russia with pandemonium, and then you have China moving into the stands. Okay, Russia's southern border. Okay, and so mm -hmm. there's a lot of benefit for Xi. If Putin dies or is ousted, okay, and that's mm -hmm. why I think Putin's uh, Xi is taking uh, playing Putin for a fool because he plans to take over that regime and expand I, his I, empire. I, I don't that. think Putin is that. Uh, I don't think Putin is that naive, and and I think Putin potentially knows this. I, I think. I mean, who has to gain from this relationship? Yes, China does, but but clearly Russia does as well. Um, and but they're not getting what they want. From that relationship i would posit ironically that their weaknesses among all these dictators lies in their um th this purported commonality and these purported strengths and and you were mentioning before about dictators what happens to most dictators most of them um they're, they're assassinated by their own people um or or with a hunter with a um you know with a what do you call it, an overthrow of the government they're forced to flee yep. there's numerous examples numerous examples. we got two but minutes left franco yeah we do oh my goodness gracious okay so um well but but with help we need help from the outside yes. like the u.s so in, helping iran so so in the last last minute for you franco let me turn it over for a minute and then i'll close yep. up but for the last minute what are your thoughts on the weaknesses in this last minute here well i i think we can pounce on that uh kind of figuratively uh, with the right uh, administration, uh, the correct administration, it, it, at least giving the semblance of that or peace through strength, I think is extremely important. I, I, if Trump were in office, um, uh, if he won a second term, I, I think the whole our, our conversation would be very different, would be very different. And hopefully a Republican would be would be uh, elected after Trump. Now, Let's see. Hopefully, Trump or another Republican comes to office, and and th this whole this whole equation will change. Communism, theocracies—they don't have the strength of democracies, and yes. ultimately will fall and implode. That that's my 
my two cents worth. That's my sermon. That's my sermon well, for the day. <laughs> well, thanks, Franco. So on the weaknesses aspect, they're all paranoid. Yes. They all have oh, yes. a litany of internal sure. enemies. For okay. sure. But what we're not doing in this cognitive war is we have to move from a reactive posture to a proactive posture. What I mean by that, with those inherent weaknesses there, they have, there's multiple ways we can cause them internal consternation to cause them to focus internally. And if you take a look at the terror bombing yesterday on three, I mean, uh, on three, not, it was three January, 24, Soleimani, okay. His uh, uh, funeral. He, he brought, or, so uh, all his, those people, uh, I'm sorry, his memorial. So all those people there worshiping him at his grave during his anniversary. Well, good riddance. They just joined him in, in hell, okay? And that's mm. good riddance for him. Yeah. But yeah. those types of terrorist attacks taken out by people within Iran. Okay, oh, are the same types of things I don't know. See. Let, let, let me finish. I, the Israelis may have had something to do with that. Well, I'm just saying. It, it doesn't matter. No, you got to listen to my point. Yes. My point is this, Franco. It doesn't matter who's causing the terrorist attacks. Okay. If you enable those people who have a dissatisfaction with the regime to advance their causes, terrorism is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. And hell come high water, hell may be coming their way. The point is we have to drive these other terrorist elements to, to react and stop reacting ourselves. It's mm -hmm. always an enlightening discussion with you, Dr. Musio. Likewise. Dr. Musio is a well-known internal medicine physician specializing in nephrology. Okay, if you wish to uh, engage him, he is also an expert witness in the fields of nephrology and internal medicine. You can email him at drmusio at frmusio at gmail.com, and you'll find this on the podcast layout as we get this on air. Okay, also, and it goes to podcasts. So just remember, I'm here on the NAS Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I'll go outside of the fog of the daily cast to give you a strategic perspective on NAS Security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of a republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle. Defend the United States of America. <laughs>